Great to see you today. If you have your bulletin, I want to get you get out your sermon notes. I want to encourage you guys to follow along. There'll be some blanks to fill in, so I'll always encourage you to do that. And so we've had these Easter invitations, and we have some like postcards and some door hangers. And so again, they're no good after this week. So I want to encourage you to take a handful on your way out today. Someone sent me this this week. They hung this door hanger here on this door, an invitation to our church. If you're not sure where that is, this came with it as they were giving it to me. I figured everyone needs Jesus, especially if they're getting released from jail. This is at the county jail. All right, they put a a door hanger there to invite people to church, which is awesome. Now, some of you may say, well, man, what if the sheriff finds out? He's the one that put it up there, all right? So... (laughs) Can I go on record as saying, man, I feel so blessed that we have a sheriff in our county that loves God. I do, man. I just appreciate all the first responders. I don't think we can say it enough. They're really becoming very much abused in our society. But man, I am so grateful for the men and women who serve our community every day. And so I I hope that you'll express that appreciation as well. So appreciate brother Steve there. So today's friend day. Friend day. How many of you have a friend? All right. How many of you have an enemy? Maybe we all have an enemy day. I don't know. But anyway, the dictionary defines friend. By the way, the dictionary definition of friend is pretty long. So I took out some that maybe don't fit our normal thinking. One of the definitions, a person attached to another by personal regard, a person who gives assistance a person who is associated with another, and then I decided to put my own line in there. How many of you know it's okay if we make up a definition? You may not ever use it, but I, I put it in there. So the white is my part. That's what I added. Two people who share a circle in life. How many of you know God puts people in our circle of influence, whether we consider it or not, but everybody God puts in our circle of influence, we have an opportunity to befriend Now, how many of you know sometimes God has a sense of humor? He puts somebody in your circle that rubs you the wrong way. Don't look at your spouse right now, all right? Don't look at your spouse. (laughs) But sometimes he puts people in that circle. But we have an opportunity to show the love of God. And so how many of you remember these two guys? Oh, yeah, man. Old Testament. No, no, they're not Old Testament. (laughs) They are old. You have to be probably 50 years old to remember them, all right? So they were in the TV series back in the 70s called The Odd Couple, and they were odd. One was a cluttered mess. The other, everything had to be right in order. They not only were in the same circle, they lived in the same house. And by the way, just going on record, I can identify with the cluttery guy. My wife could identify with the guy that has everything together. So God had a sense of humor when he somehow convinced Brenda to marry me. She understands the odd couple, all right? And so again, love these guys. So in all of our lives, we have a 360-degree circle of influence. It may be people in our neighborhood that God's placed us in. It may be somebody we work with. It could be a cashier that we see real often as we go into the store. It might be a family, friend, But we all have that circle of influence. And God, again, puts sometimes opposites together. 
Sometimes, again, God puts people in our circle of influence that rub us the wrong way. I always think about Manly Beasley, and I've shared this before, but pretend like you've never heard it. Manly Beasley always used to, I heard him say, he'd say to God, God, I could do so much more for you if my wife was more spiritual. God, I, you know, my, I, mean, I could do so much more. My wife is holding me back. And God whispered to him in that still, small voice, very strong. He said to Manly, your wife is not your problem. It's you. Your wife just rubs you the wrong way. She's your heavenly sandpaper. She just rubs you the wrong way to bring out an attitude that you had all along. How many of you have had some heavenly sandpaper in your life? Again, don't look at your spouse right now. But sometimes God puts people in, in your circle that may not like you. Matter of fact, they may do everything they can to rub you the wrong way. But the Bible says we're to love everybody, even our enemies. So it is, it is a process. It is a process. So this morning, we're going to look at two people who I would call the odd couple of the Bible. Two people who are in each other's circle of influence, and they could not have been more opposite. They could not have been more opposite. So we're going to read the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And so we're going to read all the verses and then just kind of make some observations. So let's read together. I'm going to ask you guys to read with me. All right, then always check it with your Bible. Always have your Bible open. Always good to check it. Let's read together. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. He cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. And then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. And Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Every time I, I read this story, I always get thirsty. I don't know why. How many of you have ever been really thirsty? Can you think of a time? I mean, I, I don't know how many people I have visited after a surgery. And the mouth is so dry, they got to pull the tongue, they got to peel their tongue off the chain. And they just want water so bad. And then finally the nurse comes in with a little cup of water and a sponge. 
And they roll that sponge in the water. And every single person, oh, ah, oh. And it makes me thirsty. I don't want mm. Oh, that's good. Have you ever been thirsty? Really thirsty? A man would give anything for a little bit of water. How many of you have ever sat through a dry sermon and you just wanted a drink? <laughs> Can you stand up over here? Show, show them your cup right here. Yeah, stand up. Look at this. Look what she brought in today. <laughs> I love you, man. That's awesome. <laughs> I, 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 let me just one more drink. This one. Oh, that's good. And so I want to make just some observations about the story, all right? Number one, it's more about the rich man than it is about Lazarus. Now, some people say, is this a parable or is it a real story? I don't know. You know, Jesus often never gave a name in a parable. He gives the name Lazarus. But whether it's real or whether it's a parable, it's true. So it's more about the rich man than it is about Lazarus, which is kind of interesting. It's more about eternity than it is about life here on this earth. There are only three verses that talk about their life on earth. There's nine verses that talk about eternity. And by the way, it's just a reminder, life on earth is incredibly short. Life in eternity is incredibly long. It's a reminder that life on earth is short. Life on earth is incredibly short. And finally, it's more about hell than it is about heaven. Now, that's kind of surprising. Now, you would think he would focus more on Lazarus and heaven, but he focuses more on the rich man and hell. And you probably have heard people say that Jesus talked more about hell than he did about heaven. And that seems surprising. Can I just really be honest? I would rather preach about heaven. I'm just being honest. I'd rather preach about the pearly gates, the street of gold. I'd rather preach about heaven. But why would Jesus talk more about hell than he did about heaven? I don't think he was trying to scare anybody. I don't. I think he just knew that as humans, we forget that people who die without Jesus spend an eternity separated from God. Sometimes we just forget how important it is to share the gospel. By the way... I mentioned the water earlier. What would you do if we were all out on a desert somewhere and your children and grandchildren were dying of thirst and you found out that I knew where an oasis of water was, plenty for everybody, and if I didn't tell anybody, I just kept it to myself. What would you guys think about me? Now, you got to be Christian. It's Sunday. What would you guys think of me if I knew where water was and I wasn't sharing it and you saw your grandkids literally dying? How many of you would be just a little bit disappointed with the preacher? You guys are being way too Christian. Can I tell you, it would be inexcusable for somebody to know where water was and not share it. Be inexcusable. All right, so let's look at this story, all right? Uh, just something to note here. I don't think the Bible is teaching us that, that riches are evil and that poverty is good. I don't think he's teaching that. By the way, I often say to people, I would rather be rich and humble than poor and humble. There's nothing wrong with having stuff as long as the stuff doesn't have you. So he's not teaching that riches is evil, poverty is good, 
But what he's trying to do is contrast that these two people who are living in the same circle of influence, he's trying to say to us that if we had to choose between Lazarus, who had nothing in this world, he had absolutely nothing in this world, and he suffered while he was in this world, or you could take the rich man who had everything in this world but didn't have God. If we could choose between the two, we would always choose Lazarus. And so Jesus is saying, we're better off to have Jesus and have nothing in this world but suffering than to have everything in this world and not have Jesus. By the way, I hope before you go to bed tonight, you'll somehow just get on your knees and thank God for Jesus. Sometimes we forget how awesome it is that we have Jesus in our life. So let's go on. Let's talk about the rich man. The Bible says there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and he feasted lavishly every day. Here's a guy that had anything and everything in life that he wanted. How many of you would love to have a credit card for 30 days, unlimited spending? How many of you would have some fun? All three of you. You guys are so godly, just so godly. You'd be the first one to grab the card. I mean, you can buy anything you want. I want a Porsche. I hear that witness. You said what everybody was thinking. I mean, unlimited spending. Could you imagine? I mean, he had anything and everything. He, he pigged out three times a day and in between. He ate everything he wanted. Man, he was just, he had everything in this world. In contrast to that, there's Lazarus. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate. So they were in the same circle of influence in life. One was laid at his gate, the other was inside, just incredibly living up life. And it says here, he was full of sores, he was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. So here's Lazarus, all he is wanting is the most basic need of life. He wasn't even asking for a sandwich. All he was asking the rich guy is, could you rub your crumbs off the table? And I'll, if I could just have your crumbs. How many of you know that we in America probably throw away more garbage than some people? I mean, some people love to have what we throw away. All he was wanting was the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. All he wanted was the minimal of comfort in this life. As a matter of fact, it says, moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. The only comfort he got was dogs licking his sores. Now, I don't know how you guys feel about dogs licking you. I have no real comment about it. But I do say that if you lick your dog, you got a problem. <laughs> but the only comfort he got was dogs licking his sores. I mean, he only got the, he was only asking for crumbs. He only got the minimal comfort in this world. And again, Jesus is saying, we're better to have nothing in this world and have Jesus than to have everything in this world and not have Jesus. Now, it's okay to have everything and have Jesus, but he's given us a contrast here. All right, one verse tells us that they died. Let me tell you a universal truth. According to the latest survey, 10 out of 10 people die. Unless Jesus comes back, every one of us are going to die. By the way, I don't know if you noticed on the picture or not, when you get into the elevator, it's either going to go up or down. 
you want it to go up. Somebody in the early service, he just he hollered out while I was preaching. How many of you know the preacher needs help sometimes? He hollered out while I was preaching. He said, Pastor, that elevator has two down arrows on the top. See on the top up there? Don't get in that elevator! No! Get in the one that goes up. I didn't even notice that. He ruined my whole illustration right there. He said, Pastor, I shouldn't have said that. No, you should have said it. <laughs> I love when people talk back and they help me out. But anyway, one day we're all going to die. The reality is these earth suits, they come from dust. They go back to dust. You should take care of it. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. But the truth is, it's going to wear. How many of you know that we need to take care of our body? I mean, if you eat tree bark, whatever it is you eat, take care of yourself. Exercise. But one day, these earth suits are going to wear out. They're temporary. But your spirit is eternal. Your spirit is everlasting. I love, by the way, when it talks about Lazarus dying and the angels carrying him into paradise. That's so beautiful. You know, last couple years or so, when people died during COVID, sometimes they died in a nursing home. And I've had family members say, man, it just killed me that I could not be there with them. They died alone. I said to them, I, I want to guarantee you they did not die alone. You never die alone as a Christian. What a beautiful picture of the angels carrying them into paradise. Whew. That was an amazing trip. The truth is we're all going to die. Whether we're rich or whether we're poor, death is no respecter of people. We're all going to die. And so this week I found Steve Jobs who was worth $10.2 billion. How many of you think he did okay? He did okay. His parents were proud of him. He died a billionaire at the age of 56 of pancreatic cancer. And these are some of his last words before he died. He said, in others' eyes, my life is an epitome of success. At this moment, lying on the sickbed and recalling my whole life, I realized that all the recognition and wealth that I took so much pride in have paled and become meaningless in the face of impending death. You can employ someone to drive the car for you, make money for you, but you cannot have someone to bear the sickness for you. Material things lost can be found, but there is one thing that can never be found when it is lost— life. He went on to say, as we grow older and hence wiser, we slowly realize that wearing a $300 or a $30 watch, they both tell the same time. Whether we carry a $300 or a $30 wallet or handbag, the amount of money in the, inside is the same. Whether we drive a $150,000 car, which I didn't even know they made a car that much, are we driving a $30,000 car or a $3,000 car? The road and distance is the same, and we get to the same destination. Whether the house we live in is 300 or 3,000 square feet, loneliness is the same. You will realize your true inner happiness does not come from the material things of this world. Whether you fly first class or economy class, if the plane goes down, you go down with it. I want to tell you, that's some pretty wise counsel. Solomon in the Old Testament, he set out to find the real meaning and purpose of life. And Solomon said the same thing. All the material things of this world, it's like chasing the wind. 
it never really satisfies. And Jesus echoed that when he said, life doesn't consist in the abundance of things we possess. Again, nothing wrong with having stuff. I'd rather be rich and humble than poor and humble. But to understand stuff doesn't make you happy. Stuff doesn't satisfy. And so the Bible reminds us in Hebrews 9.27 that all of us have an appointed time to die. One day we're all going to step across. How many of you think it's a little weird? I, I, I always want to see what it was like to have my picture on a tombstone. My family probably won't spend the money, so I'm going to do it here. I'm going to put it up there. I wouldn't do it for me either. I just tell you. So I put it up there, photoshopped it. I know the date of my birth into this world. I don't know the second date yet. But here's what I want. Now, if I have a casket or or, or, urn, I don't know what I'll have. But if I have a casket and the lid's open, I want this sign on my lid. This sign right here. Construction complete. Thank you for your patience. As long as I'm on this earth, I'm going to be a work in progress. But when, I, when, my, when construction's complete is when I step out of this earth suit into eternity. By the way, you're an eternal being. I just want to tell you that. You're going to live forever. Not in this earth suit. Earth suit's wearing out. Again, we come from dust. We go back to dust. I love the story of the little boy that came to his mom and said, Mom, is it true we came from dust? We're going back to dust? She said, sure is, honey. Why do you ask? Well, I looked under my bed, the little boy said, and somebody's either coming or going. Do it. <laughs> But just yesterday, just yes, as I was preparing the message yesterday, I read this headline, because we never know when death will come. Because I've had a lot of people tell me, I may give my life to Jesus, but it's going to be later. I want to have some fun. Somehow the devil has convinced people that if you give your heart to Jesus, man, life is over as you know it. Yesterday, this headline, Dwayne Haskins, 24-year-old, one of the quarterbacks for the Pittsburgh Steelers was hit by a truck and died instantly. 24 years old, going to be a professional athlete, going to have it all. I wonder if Dwayne ever took time to invite Jesus into his life. Because we never know. By the way, this afternoon I get to do a funeral. I get to do a funeral. I'm out. There's something, it's just really crazy. I just get passionate about doing funerals. I know it's probably not your cup of tea. But they told me this particular guy didn't go to church. There was going to be some tension in the room. And by the way, I've done some funerals where there was a divided crowd. But how many of you know you still preach Jesus? But anyway, so I was meeting with the family yesterday, 11 o'clock. We all sat around a table and we were talking about you know, the person's life and about the funeral. And one of the guys who was connected to the family said to me, he was right next to me, he said to me, he looked over and he said, is there any way you could share the gospel at the funeral tomorrow? Yeah, oh yeah, I will work it in. And the other, another lady around the table said, man, that would be awesome if you could do that. Now, I did tell him, to be real honest with you, I share it whether you ask or not. But now that you're asking, I may give an invitation. I don't know. This guy told me right next to me. We're talking about you. This guy right next to me said, I got saved at a funeral. How many of you know I'm a little fired up? 
Somebody, some of y'all say, can I come to your funeral? No, you got to stay home and pray. We want to leave room for the people that need Jesus. You can actually come. But you know, you never know. You really don't know. But pray for me today, 4 o'clock. Have your alarm go off. Pray for me at 4 o'clock. Pray that revival breaks out at the funeral. Because I, mean, I just feel a complete freedom to share Jesus. James 2 says, and as we think about death, and I, I say probably at most funerals, I love the last verse of James 2. It says, the body without the spirit is dead. All death is, what we call death, is merely our spirit stepping out of our earth suit. The earth suit's going to wear out, but your spirit is eternal. And so one day you may read, Roger Johnson is dead. Don't believe that. Scratch that out and put, he's changed addresses. Because when we, what we call death is just merely a person stepping out of their earth suit. One day, we will step out of the earth suit. And so what we do with Jesus is so vitally important. I love that. I love the picture here, the gal that dies, her spirit steps out of her earth suit. All in the world death is, is our spirit separating from our body. Death in the Bible, by the way, never means an end of life. Death always means separation. So when a person dies physically, their spirit and their body separate. When a person dies spiritually, they are separated from God forever. By the way, if I could have a wish, if God said to me today in honesty, Roger, I'll give you any wish for your church. What's the one wish? I'll give you any one wish. Here's what I would wish. God, I pray that you could send every one of us to hell. For 60 seconds. Somebody just fell over. <laughs> I hope nobody died back there. <laughs> if they did, I hope the elevator went up. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen during a sermon. Never know. Got to be ready. But I'll guarantee you this. If we could go to hell for one minute, we would never, ever have to encourage anybody to share Jesus. If we could go to hell for one minute and hear the cries of hell, I don't think we'd ever have to encourage people to share the living water. How in the world could you have living water? How in the world could you know the truth that Jesus is the way and not share that? You know, if I had physical water, you said you guys would be upset at me if I didn't share it. How much more if people that don't have Jesus, how in the world could we not share the ultimate living water of God? But sometimes we get so busy in life, we forget that someone who dies without Jesus goes to hell. So, so vitally important. So as I think about death, again, we're all going to die. I can't tell you how many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of graves I've I've sat over, stood over in my ministry. I got a couple guys up here, Ted and Ned. I just made them up. Let's say they served together in the military. This is Jefferson Barrick Cemetery behind them. Let's say they even lived next door to each other. How many of you know that two people can live side by side? Two people can live in each other's circle of influence and yet forever be separated in eternity. 
The Bible has a lot to say about separation. But death is not an end of life. Sometimes we look at a casket and we see an end of life. I don't look at a casket and see the end of life. When I look at a casket, I see a doorway to eternity. All we're putting in the ground is the earth suit that returns to dust. But the person's not there. I want to tell you, the moment they say goodbye to us, they say hello on the other side. And that's what we can celebrate. So real quick, i got to get through these truths. You guys got to listen quick, all right? You've been sidetracking me. So here we go. Number one, our spirit has feelings. Have you ever wondered about your spirit, what your spirit is like? Like when you die, does a blob come out? No. I want to tell you what this teaches us about our spirit. First of all, our spirit has feelings. Lazarus was comforted in heaven. The rich man was in torment. So you're going to have feelings on the other side. Number two, our spirit has eyes to see. It's interesting, they just buried him. The verse says they both were buried. Now all of a sudden, the rich man looked up and he could see. Your spirit has eyes. All right? Number three, our spirit will recognize people. People say, when we get to heaven, are we going to recognize our loved ones? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. By the, by the way, it says the rich man looked up, he saw Abraham and Lazarus. I don't know if this guy went to Sunday school, but he knew who Abraham was. When we get to heaven, somehow we're going to recognize Bible characters. We don't have to have name tags. How cool would it be to walk up to Moses? Hey, Mo, what is up, baby? Great job bringing those children out. Awesome. Can you imagine recognizing Bible characters? My jaw will be dropped open. It's no wonder that when we see Jesus, the Bible says we just fall on our face. I think we're going to spend the first few hundred years just on our face before the throne. But we're going to recognize people. Number four, our spirit can speak. Now, for some of you, that may be a problem. But we're going to be able to talk. We're going to be able to communicate to each other. Because it says the rich man said, I think in your notes I put Lazarus said, it's the rich man. I just put that in there to see if you would catch it. Plus, I didn't proofread, all right? But anyway, it was the rich man who said, Father Abraham. By the way, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I thought about it just studying this particular story. I wonder if people in hell can look up and see into heaven. Man, how much hellish would that be to know that you can look up and see the splendor of heaven and see what you missed because you rejected Jesus? I cannot even imagine if people in hell can look up into heaven and see heaven. Now, we know that Abraham talked back to the rich man. It doesn't say Lazarus did. I don't know if God will let us see down. My hunch is he won't. That's just an opinion. Now, Abraham did talk to the rich man. Number five, our spirit will recognize people, as we've already said. He saw Abraham and Lazarus. Number six, our spirit looks like us. Now, some of y'all are going to be disappointed. You say, what does our spirit look like? Is it just a blob that comes out? No, your spirit looks like you. I think, I hope it'll be a better version of me. I hope God will do some work. But why were they able to recognize? Why was the rich man able to recognize Lazarus? Because it looked like Lazarus. 
I believe your spirit looks like you. So he saw uh, Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. So again, I think we're going to recognize each other in heaven. I think we're going to, our spirits look like us. Number seven, our spirit has some sort of a spirit body. Because even though they were buried in one verse, it turns around and the rich man says, send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and put my tongue. Well, I thought he was buried. He was. But apparently your spirit has fingers. Apparently your spirit has eyes. Apparently your spirit has a tongue. Isn't it interesting that Lazarus, when he was on this earth, was only asking for the minimal of comfort? He was begging for the crumbs. Now in eternity, the rich man is asking for the most minimal of comfort. That Lazarus could just dip the tip of his finger in water and touch my tongue. That makes me thirsty to think about it. Can you imagine what a bottle of water would go far in hell? We take, by the way, my grandparents would roll over in their grave if they knew we paid for water. But anyway, that's another story. Number nine, our spirit has a memory. He says to, to the rich man, Abraham said to the rich man, remember in your lifetime. You know, I think people in hell are going to remember every service they sat through and they rejected Jesus. I think people in hell are going to remember every opportunity God gave them. And by the way, I think we're going to have a memory as well. So our spirit, going to have a body, going to have a memory. And as I already mentioned, number 10, our spirit is eternal. Your spirit's going to live forever. A hundred years from this morning, we're all going to be alive on the other side. The earth suit wears out, but your spirit is eternal. I love the song by Kenny Chesney. I'm not a, I'm not a country music person. I apologize for you country lovers. But I love one song he does. They're interviewing a guy that just turned 102. And they said, what's the secret to life? Remember the 102-year-old guy said, don't blink, because it goes quicker than you think. And man, that is so true. But how crazy would it be to get so busy in the things of this world that we forget Jesus? That'd be crazy. Be crazy. So last uh, part of this, the rich man cries out to Abraham, I beg you, therefore, that you would send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. You know, if God would allow hell to come through our PA system today, I believe all of hell would be crying out, please go across the street, please share with my loved one at work. Why would you not take time to share with that cashier, my loved one, about Jesus? How could you have Jesus? How could you have living water and never share the ultimate gift? Isn't it crazy that all of hell would be crying out for us to go? That's why I can at every funeral, at every funeral, whether they, they, they went to heaven or not, I know everyone could come back and say, they would want us to know that God loves us, that Jesus died for us, and that there is a way to eternal life. So Abraham answered back and said to the rich man, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. 
And so the rich man answers back and says, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will believe. If we could just see a miracle, we would believe. How many of you know that in the story, there is a Lazarus that did come back from the dead, not the same Lazarus. But when he came back from the dead, some people did believe, but others wanted to kill him again. Can I tell you, seeing a miracle will not cause people to believe. You want to know the most powerful thing we have to share Jesus? The Word of God. Abraham said, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. The most powerful thing you can share with people in your circle of influence is the Word of God. If they don't believe the Word of God, they're not going to believe a miracle. I want us all just to stand if we can. If you're watching by way of stream today, and by the way, I haven't said this till, till recent, probably four or five weeks. If you guys are on Facebook or YouTube, you say, I, I'm not sure I know how to share that message. All you got to do is get on your computer and hit share. Boom, it goes to all your friends. Can you imagine not wanting to share with people the ultimate truth that Jesus loves them, that he died for them, that he wants to have heaven with them? I want to encourage you guys, get on Facebook, get on today's message, and just hit send. Let's send the message of God's eternal love. I want to pray a prayer. I've done this, I think, the last few weeks we've been in Hebrews, but I want to do it again. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're not 100% sure that if you were to die today, that you would spend an eternity in heaven. I want to pray a prayer. I want all you guys to pray it out loud. If you're watching by way of stream, I want you to pray it out loud right where you are. I don't want anybody in this room or anybody that's listening today to ever stand before God and say, you didn't know that they needed Jesus. Wouldn't it be great at that reunion on the other side if everybody in this room was there because they trusted Jesus? Greatest decision you can ever make. And the greatest lie that Satan will ever whisper in your ear is put it off till tomorrow because we do not know if we have tomorrow. By the way, some of the best advice I ever heard is live every day as though it were our last and one day you'll be right. Live every day as though it were your last and one day you'll surely be right. We only have today. Let's pray. I want you guys to repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I ask you to forgive me and to come into my life as Lord and Savior. From this day forward, my life belongs to you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have the living water. You guys have what the world needs. Would you pray as you go through your circle of influence? You're, you're going to be going through your normal everyday routine, and all of a sudden you're going to come up to a cashier and the Holy Spirit will say, this is one. Just as you go through your normal everyday act, God's going to show you people that's in your circle of influence that you can make a difference. 
Yesterday I was walking home. I walked over to Ron Heimer's. Ron lives in our subdivision. He said, hey, come over. I got some new coffee. And so I walked over there, walking back, and one of our new neighbors was out doing some yard work. And I was going to walk by and not say anything. I didn't want to interrupt his work. Holy Spirit said, why not stop? So I stopped and started talking to him a little bit. He was a young guy, 25 years old, bought a house in our subdivision. His name is Dustin. He's my one for next week. So pray for me. I'm going to try to visit with Dustin this week. I mean, can you imagine? A lot of people will come to church on Easter. I don't know why. A lot of people will come on Easter. They, they may not come any other time. And again, people say, Should, is it worth having them come just that one Sunday? Yeah. But we're going to share Jesus next week. And who knows? You inviting them to church may mean the difference in their eternity. I love you guys, man. This is so amazing to worship in this church. If you prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you to tell somebody. In the early service today, a gentleman came out. He, he comes. He came out today and said, I prayed that prayer. I hope when we're at that reunion on the other side, I hope you guys are there. I sure hope I'm there because I've trusted Jesus. That's all that really matters in the end. Let's just have a moment. If you need to slip out and come, if you prayed that prayer, I'd encourage you to slip out and come to say, I prayed that prayer. Or maybe you're here and just need someone to pray with you or pray for you as they play softly. I just want you to slip out and come. Or maybe you're visiting and, and you know this is where you need to plug in and become a member. We invite you to come. So let's just take a minute. Would you just take a moment right where you are, build an altar. Would you thank God for Jesus? We are so blessed in America. We are so blessed. Now, it may change. I love the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Let me pray for you. I'll be at the back if anybody needs to talk. I'm not in a hurry. I do got to be somewhere at four. But I'll have some time. Pray for me today at four o'clock, if you can remember. Set your, set your phones for 355. Remember to whisper up a prayer. I'm excited about going to the funeral. So pray for me today. Father, fill us with your spirit. I pray for those who today for the first time invited you into their life. I love the promise that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Father, fill us with your spirit. I pray that that living water would spill out everywhere we go. And that we can minister life, Lord, to those in our circle of influence. In Jesus' name we pray.